are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to our final draft preview, Locked On Blazers. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson. And today I am joined on the eve of the NBA draft by my buddy and the man over at NBADraft.net, Mike Weisenberg, for the second year in a row, joining me on the podcast to talk NBA draft. Uh, really excited to get into these guys with you because you have traveled to all of these camps. You have seen these guys long before we've even heard of them, most of us. So uh, I'm excited to have you on the pod, Mike. Great to be here, Eric. Thanks for having me once again. And uh, yeah, man, it should be a really exciting draft tomorrow. A lot of conflicting rumors going around. And uh, yeah, like last year was such a great draft. And the Blazers obviously made a pretty big splash. And very excited to see what happens this year as well. I think you were the first guy to start talking Portland off the ledge about Zach Collins. I was, and uh, that was before uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, became Donovan Mitchell. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, I think we saw a lot of good things out of Zach this season. So, uh, yeah, and then it didn't look exactly like it, you can only go by the guys you actually traded. And they, Justin Jackson, you know, and Harry Giles right now isn't looking like the worst trade, though we have yet to see Harry Giles play a game. So that's a we'll good point. But but I think that would probably swing things in Portland's favor on that trade. Oh, because yeah, you because you, you trade you traded a guy who couldn't play at all this year, and Justin Jackson who may or may not be like a rotation level wing in the league. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and and that's. I think it was a position of need, but but if you look at the Blazers and you look at, um, you know, the potential that they don't bring back Yusuf Nurkic and kind of the fear of a big contract, and then you also have Ed Davis there, um, you know, now you you have a little bit more of a safety net at the five position if uh, if Nurk gets a big offer that's prohibitive for the Blazers. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And uh, I, I, a lot of people are saying, you know, if the price isn't right for Nurk, then you, you have at least Zach to, to possibly build with. And uh, as nice as it would have been to have a, um, some help at the forward spot, I'm not sure Justin Jackson would have been that guy. And, um, yeah, the, my, my biggest thing now with trading C.J. McCollum is having that person that, you know, can replace C.J. McCollum. And... <laughs> It's it's so hard not to like you know think about what could have happened if they would have gotten Don Mitchell, but again you know that's why the draft is pretty damn ir- ir- unpredictable, man. So yeah, you, you've got guys. Donovan Mitchell certainly didn't look like he was going to come into the league right away and do what he did, and that was the reason that he ended up uh, going much lower than he he should have. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we were high on him, but nobody expected uh yeah. nobody expected him to be a rookie of the year contender, to mm-hmm. be to be a, the best offensive player on 
uh, the fifth seed in the West. Nobody expected that from Donovan Mitchell last year. And I think it's unfair to this crop of rookies to uh, expect that one of these guys is going to become, you know, is going to be an all-star level talent right out of the gate. Um, I I think maybe... Luka Doncic, in my opinion, is like the most ready to get there right out of the gate. But other than and maybe Trey Young, but other than that, I feel like all these guys are going to take a little bit of time uh, to really get to that level. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with you there as well. And uh, yeah, it, it'll be fascinating to see the 2016 high school class. Also, was considered to be maybe a little bit stronger than the 2017 high school class, but a lot of big upside here. It just may take a little bit longer. Interesting stuff. I, there's a lot of noise right now at the top of the draft. Uh, multiple reports uh, suggesting that the Hawks are interested in trading down and that there's multiple teams that are interested in trading up to the number three pick, but it kind of will depend on who's there. So I guess it really is going to come down to what Sacramento is going to do at that two spot because uh, it's been a foregone conclusion for uh, – I, like six weeks now that the Suns are going to take DeAndre Ayton at one. And mm-hmm. then Sacramento is reportedly torn between Bagley and Doncic. And so, so Sacramento is where we could see, I think some of the first, uh, you know, dominoes to start falling in the draft. Cause I, I don't think Phoenix is, is going to do anything. I think they, they have their heart set on Ayton. Yeah, I agree. And Sacramento is uh, definitely a place where you're getting a, a few conflicting stories, though it, it seems like most people now seem to be uh, thinking that Marcus Bagley is uh, the favorite for the pick. Um, Dodgers still definitely in play. Um, they even have been rumors about like Michael Porter, though it seems like yeah. that's kind of an outside shot. Um and yeah, there, there are rumors of Porter moving up, and then there are rumors with the injuries that he's moving down. Um, yeah, you usually have like a at least an idea of who the the first couple picks are going to be over the past few years. And uh, you know, 2013 was the the one year where you're like your jaw was dropping on the floor when uh, Anthony Bennett went first. But then you pretty much knew Victor Oladipo was going to go to the Magic. Uh, and Otto Porter was favored to go to the Wizards. So you usually have like an idea at least of like the the first few dominoes falling. But this year it's just all over the place, man. And uh, like right now it seems like the consensus top four seems to be Aiton, Bagley, and Doncic, Jaron Jackson in some order. But, you know, Muhammad Bamba was a hot name going around. Um, Trey Young is somebody that – it was rumored the Atlanta Hawks were very high on, though may wanted, may have wanted to trade down to to get him. So yeah, there there definitely could be things going on there. Um, and the, there's also rumors that Dallas might you know swap with Atlanta. So it it could be a a draft full of like uh, some some trades like last year. You know when you saw the big Minnesota uh, Chicago trade. Yeah, and and uh, there was one report uh, from Sports Illustrated just before we got on that Orlando is considering moving six to Atlanta, mm-hmm. and potentially a future draft pick, a future first as well, in an attempt to move up to three. 
so that's it's going to be crazy. And and the way that ESPN has done it this year is a little bit different than most years. Usually you could follow the whole draft on Twitter and not miss a single thing. But uh, because Woj works for ESPN now uh, and can't be, <laughs> and and uh, you know has a, a financial incentive not to tip the picks to the audience, we're not going to have some of the same stuff. So it's going to be it's going to be a different type of draft. Um, and I'm excited to see you know how that changes things for you know how we consume it and how we see it. Um, so who is just in a vacuum? Who would you say is your number one guy in this draft? It just just off who's your favorite guy not who you think is like who's mike weisenberg's favorite guy in this draft it it was always hard for me to take my eyes off deandre aiden um just uh, you know his size the way he runs the floor uh his combination of, of potential offensive skills and the offensive skills he already has um the guy is just like has a body that was meant to play basketball um, hasn't had much of an injury history and, uh, great hands the way he runs the floor, man. It, it's just, it's pretty impressive. And, and he's a guy that I think almost anybody can watch the game and like, just kind of their eyes will be kind of, uh, drawn towards him. And, uh, as much as I, I love Luka Doncic as well, and, and he's my second guy in this class, uh, I, I, can't really fault the Suns for having an interest in uh, DeAndre Ayton, especially with the way that, that the team's built right now. And uh, it, it was funny because I, I just saw a tweet by uh, Pete Philo, who has TPG Pro Scout School, and says, you know, if a guy is, if a team is choosing somebody in the draft, they're, they think they're the most talented guy. And I guess Phoenix must feel that DeAndre Ayton's the most talented guy. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, it's not like Phoenix hasn't had time to look at Doncic, over, you know, get an up-close yeah. look at him over the past, you know, few years, whether it be in the mm-hmm. ACB or in the Eurobasket or in the EuroLeague. So, uh, I mean, it, it is worth noting that they, that, that they have him. And I think, you know, myself being higher on Doncic for, for certain reasons, but, you know, I the physical ability and those gifts, you know, though you can't coach that, you can't. Uh, you know, you don't just find the athleticism and the size and the strength and the you know the ability to run the court and the tools that Aiton has. If he can put it all together, he could be you know something of like a you know a new age Dwight Howard that could shoot you know mm-hmm. you know uh, that that's I think the ideal for yeah. him, right? I mean, the ideal is he's big, he could shoot, he can do a little bit on the offensive end, and he can catch the ball like you said on the roll and and you know those those are huge things and if you you know if you think that um that's a more pressing need for the suns which i mean their big man situation is terrible i i mean yeah i mean it's not good i mean dragon bender is is not a real i don't think he's a starting center i don't think that marquise chris is a starting center alex len has has had a really tough time so when you look at the center spot and I think, yeah, among these guys, whether it be Aiton or Bamba or Wendell Carter, you know, all these bigs, if you're looking at mm-hmm. a need or Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, I, I think Aiton, out of those guys, is going to be the most ready to impact the game and, and get rebounds and, and, and really, uh, you know, make an impact. So um, th- there's been a couple of guys that have also risen up draft boards recently. I feel like I've heard a lot of momentum. Uh, we talked about Michael Porter and we talked about Bamba. 
But some guys later in the lottery that I think have started to get a lot of buzz. Uh, Kevin Knox from Kentucky. And then also another Kentucky guy, uh, Shy Gilgis Alexander, uh, has been rumored to have a floor of the 11th pick. Um, and so I, I kind of wanted to see what you thought about those guys and, and maybe, um, you know, for these late lottery guys, you know, what, what you think of them and, and what they can bring to the table before we start talking about, uh, you know, the Blazers options at 24. Yeah, I, I heard varied things on Knox. I, I you know, um, you had Draft Express guys tweeting out that he had super impressive individual workouts. And at the same time, I heard a few scouts saying they weren't that impressed with him in individual workouts. So it really just shows kind of the eye of the beholder. Um, but, you know, Knox has a physical tools and it had showed some ability to, to hit shots and like a, a good size for what – is considered a combo forward that he probably has more of a future as like a, uh, at the four spot in the current NBA, but uh, one of the younger guys in the draft um, has always been known for his ability to, to possibly guard like uh, the perimeter and uh, a bit of the post and um, had a, a solid year at, at Kentucky. The guy I like even more than him though is Shea Gilgis Alexander. And um, he is uh, a Canadian guy. So he, he actually yeah. he played in um, for the senior men's national team before he even made it to the Hoop Summit and was one of the younger guys on, on that team. Uh, he and RJ, actually. And um, RJ Barrett, who also was uh, part of the Hoop Summit that F- Shea F- was uh, a F- part of. Future king of Canadian basketball. If not, uh, yeah, all, if, exactly. if not, if not already the king of Canadian basketball. Yeah. Oh, he's getting there. Yeah. Um, but Shea is a, was one of the – definitely showed that he, he has some leadership ability. He was a great communicator. He has fantastic, like, physical tools for a point guard. He's, like, six foot six with a seven-foot wingspan. Like, pretty much, like, prototypical small forward size. And uh, he, at the same time, can handle the ball. A uh, good passer. Didn't shoot very much this year, so people still kind of wonder there. But it seems like he has tools to be a shooter. And uh, people wonder exactly, like, what his upside is. But he is a guy that I think a lot of teams have uh, really gotten a liking for. And I, I even heard rumors that the, the Raptors may try and do something to, to trade up and, and get him in the draft. The Raptors currently don't have a pick, so... It'll be uh, very interesting to see what they do and see if they make a big splash. I know one of the guys I've heard on uh, possibly on the trade block is uh, Norman Powell. So we'll see if uh, some guys from Toronto possibly uh, trade teams. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think you you're we're seeing a lot. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are coming into this draft. I think at forks in the road. Uh, I think Toronto being one of those teams. I think mm-hmm. wa- wa- the Washington Wizards, really disappointing season. Uh, they they had a nice showing in the playoffs, I guess. They won a couple of games off the Raptors, but ultimately I think most people looked at them as kind of a broken team. And then I think Portland is, is another yeah. team that kind of reached the fork in the road a little bit. And, you know, from, you know, 
these are all big things. And I think, you know, you talked about Norman Powell. I mean, there's been rumors about DeRozan potentially being on the block even. Mm -hmm. So, 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 I mean, there's a lot of of things happening out there. And I think a lot of teams that are kind of want to make a change and take the plunge, so to speak. And uh, we're going to take a quick break before we talk about some of the guys that we think could be in Portland's range at 24. And then we can also talk about, you know, what they might do with that pick um, and and also look into the second round a little bit because there's a lot of teams in this draft that have uh, excess picks that, you know, they could be Euro stash guys or they could trade them for cash assets, what have you. So we'll be right back. All right. And we're back here on Locked on Blazers with our draft expert, Mike Weisenberg from NBADraft.net. And Mike, the Blazers, they've been rumored to have, there's been a range of about, you know, like 15 to 20 guys that have been rumored to be in Portland's range. Um, it, it People say that this is kind of a deep draft after you get out of the, you know, the, those, those top guys in the, in like the top 10, top 12, that it kind of, it, 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 it's almost like you're choosing a bunch of guys that are kind of at the same level. Do you agree with that before we start getting into specifics? Yeah, well, I think there are just a lot of guys with a huge margin for error. and uh, But at the same time, there are some definite upside there. And uh, a lot of guys who could end up being role players or end up being buried on the bench. So, uh, yeah, just like, like most drafts. But th- there are a few guys who are certainly, you know, exciting potential players. Uh, prospects. I, I I think positionally we talked about um, Zach Collins and we talked about Nurkic and I think we you know f- we forgot to mention Caleb Swanigan who I think mm-hmm. in the NBA projects to be a, a center um, yeah. because I, I just he doesn't have the quickness to be a, a power forward but I think he could be a backup center he he has a good feel for the game he can shoot the three I don't think big men is where Portland are going to look in this draft. I think they need. Agreed. Look, I, I think they need to look for a guy that can handle the ball, that can be kind of a three and D guy. Uh, one guy that I've heard a lot about in mocks is, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Josh Akogi from Georgia Tech. I, I, you guys have him going at thirty-seven, but um, I, I've heard him also, you know, going in the first round. Uh, what do you think about his game and, and what he could bring to the table for the Blazers from what you've seen? Oh, we've been heavily discussing Josh Okogi for a while, and uh, I I think he'd be very interesting. Like, I, I, he's a guy who potentially could even play with uh, Damon CJ. Um, certainly improved as a shooter. He has a fantastic, like, basketball body. He's, like, 6'4", like, in the 210-pound range with a 7-foot wingspan. He also... Uh, Tied with uh, Dante DiVincenzo, who may have uh, had the standing reach a little low, uh, but Okogi may indeed oh, he, oh, have he, had the highest vertical at the NBA Draft Combine with a legit standing reach, mind you. Dante and, DiVincenzo uh, pulled a Pat Connaughton. Is that what you're saying? He a little bit, a little bit. So, it, it, we, again, so should we be scared that Poland numbers. is going to pick him? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He might. I, I actually think that uh, DiVincenzo is probably going to be gone before then. Yeah, no, that, that, uh, that seems like the vibe uh, from a lot of people. But no, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, continue vertically. But uh, Okogi, um, yeah, he played on the, a pretty rough Georgia Tech team the past two years. Did great. Uh, was suspended or or he missed some time this year. Uh, but when he came back, 
had a, a very solid season. Um, shot 38% from three his freshman year, which on low attempts and then on like almost twice as many attempts this year shot the same percentage. So good sign. His free throw percentage went from 74.7 to 82.1. Um, low field goal percentage due to probably having to do a little too much, like in the same way that Damian Lillard's field goal percentage is probably lower than what one would, would hope. But again, that that's likely workload. Um, his decision-making, not necessarily incredible, had some issues finishing around the basket, but will be really interesting to see how he uh, eventually blends into being like a, a utility player, which he's likely going to be at the NBA. His handle's a bit shaky, but yeah, strong guy. Um, certainly provides uh, the three part and um, or the D part, but yeah, the, the three, that, that's something to watch. And again, like uh, he should be, I, I personally think that uh, 37 is, is probably like the lowest point where he, he goes um, and could certainly go higher than that and certainly go in the first round right around where Portland's picking. Uh, another guy who um, I've heard a lot about his defense, and I think that entices a lot of Blazer fans, is Kyrie Thomas from Creighton. Um, what's his offensive game like? Like, what 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 does he do on offense? Because I've heard about the defense. He was Big East Defensive Player of the Year, and that's mm-hmm. that's great. That's great, um, and that's important. But you know, I don't want to get too caught. I don't want a guy either that's going to be like unplayable on the offensive end. If he, I know he shot the three well, but can he? you know, in a pinch, can he do something with the ball? I think that's kind of been his issue. And, and like that, that's a reason to maybe be a, a little bit uh, hesitant yeah. with pulling the trigger there. Um, he really struggled in the pick and roll at Creighton. And, uh, you know, yeah. the pick and roll is something that a lot of draft uh, or people studying the draft look at. And, it, you know, if you excel in that area, then that kind of, gives an idea of what you might become at the next level. He got a lot of his points in transition and through spot-up shooting. And that that you kind of worry about that, you know. He just running down the floor and, and throwing up jump shots. And he hit the jump shots at a, a very solid rate. But, yeah, is he a guy that you want the ball in his hands? I, I certainly don't think so. And, you know, is he a guy that you could play with, like, a, a Dame or, or a CJ and, and – be happy with him being like that secondary ball handler. I, I have some concerns about that. So, yeah, he, he's a guy, again, like you, you brought up, he, he, Big East Defensive Player of the Year, um, 6'10 wingspan, like 8'5 standing reach. So, like, solid size for a shooting guard, but maybe you have some concerns uh, surrounding his offense. Yeah, th- that does concern me a little bit because I feel like it's – I feel like it's easier for a guy to learn how to shoot than it is for a guy to learn how to dribble. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and, and so that, to me, is a concern. And the more I've heard about that, I think the more I've kind of soured on him as a fit for Portland. Just because mm-hmm. I think, you know, Aminu and Harkless, they shot the ball well. But, like, they're not going to break a defense down you know, in an isolation or something like that when the clock is running down. And what we're seeing with all these teams, especially in the playoffs, is switch, 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 one-on-one ISO. If if, if you can't do that, you know, that's going to be tough for basically, you know, every team. So um, 
Uh, and then uh, two guys I want to ask you about who I think are kind of in the same vein. They're different ages, but uh, Gary Trent Jr. and, and Jacob Evans. Um, those mm-hmm. are two guys that I'm interested in that are also in Portland's range. Um, Trent Jr., obviously the pedigree coming from you know a family that, that played professional basketball. And then Evans was on a really good Cincinnati team. Um, and, and I think, you know, has a lot of the size and the tools. Uh, what, what are some of the differences, I guess, between those two guys? I think Evans is a guy you're maybe a little more comfortable uh, having the ball. Okay. Um, and Trent, obviously, a little bit younger. So, you know, you could possibly see him building on some things. And what he does excel at right now is the shooting aspect. Um, I think he, at times, had trouble, like, creating inside the arc and uh, would have some streaking shooting games. Um, he had some games where he shot like exceptionally well. And then a few games where, you know, he was playing up like two, two and nine and, and uh, things along those lines. Um, yeah. Evans is a guy I, I think might be a little bit better fit with the Blazers. And again, like kind of more in the three and D ro- uh, role. And I, I feel like it is a, a better defender as well. Um, probably measured a little bit better than Gary Trent Jr. Like I don't have the numbers off the top of my right, head. Right, like right. I had with uh, the first two prospects who I somehow just knew. Um, but yeah, I think he's a little bit bigger, um, but it, like similar size. I just think Evans seems to have more of an ability to, to do some of the other things like mm-hmm. rebounding and, and passing. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I think that would probably be a, a bit better of a fit yeah i i think that's important because i you know not to interrupt sorry but it, oh I no, no, no. I, I, th- I think it's important because <laughs> i think i think portland has a lot of really good guys who are good at like one thing but they don't have that many guys that are good at uh, that can do a little bit of everything and i think from what you're telling me about evans out of all these guys that we've talked about so far I think he's probably my favorite guy to go at that spot. Uh, mm-hmm. I picked him. I picked him in the um, locked on uh, mock draft, um, and I I I, I kind of like that pick from everything you told me. And I like that he's a junior. I like that he is experienced. Mm-hmm. You know, has played a couple of years, and you know that usually says to me that that guy is probably more ready to contribute than someone who's younger, um, especially yep. in a system in a system in a role that is not really a star role, which is what he's going to have to do. Um, so um, I kind of like that from like a maturity standpoint. Um, and then uh, anything else on those two guys that you want to touch on before we move on to our last guy? No, I just uh, kind of wondered about the locked on mock draft and uh, was Troy Brown off the board? Like, yeah, that, yeah, that, no, that's yeah. what I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. Troy, Troy Brown was off the board at that time. Um, yeah. I mean, we were say, we were talking before the pod that there's a chance mm-hmm. that he might drop. Uh, he went to Oregon. Uh, I mean, what do you think about him and what he could bring to the table for this Blazers team um, on both ends? I kind of feel like if Evan Turner had a rookie contract, then I've, that's kind of what I see Troy eventually becoming. It, it would take time that he still um, – I think doesn't turn 19 until August. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he is a guy who I think does a lot of the same things as Evan Turner and can handle the ball or be like at least a secondary handler, Uh, play a good perimeter defense, Um, great size for the position as well. 
and does a little bit of everything, does have some troubleshooting and scoring at this point. But again, I think it's workable with him. And I think that maybe if you like looked back at Evan Turner and Troy at similar stages, that Troy might be ahead of Evan Turner. I, I Again, I don't exactly know, but I think it's certainly a possibility. No, that, I mean, it's a good call. And I think, you know, this draft also has potential for a lot of surprises we talked about at the top. But, you know, some guys that may be in a lot of mocks going early could slip. And we see it every year. We see guys that were projected to go at 15 falling to 23. You know, like it, things like that uh, happen often. And uh, But the last guy that I wanted to talk about before we wrap this uh, draft preview up is a guy that came in for a second draft workout the other day. He skipped some other teams' workouts to come in for his second workout with the Trailblazers, and that was uh, probably one of the bigger mystery guys in this draft in Anthony Simmons. Simons, I, I don't know uh, his last name really, um, but he was playing at the IMG Academy this year. It, 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 what what does he bring to the table? Um, what what are his talents? What are the things that he kind of hangs his hat on as a prospect? I think his ability to create his own shot, um, which, you know, very nice thing. And yeah. uh, you had some people, even like some high school talent evaluators throwing around like the, the Fultz comp with him, uh, just in kind of like being able, being shifty with the ball and uh, maybe, you know, being able to take some guys off the dribble and shooting well off the dribble. Um, he, he also like, he on pretty good... Um, Sample size shot well from the three point line in uh, AEU, like shot, I think, 41.4%. Um, and he is, he's definitely a mystery to me because when I went to USA minicamp hoping to see him, he did not play. And then when I went to the Hoop Summit to see him, or, you know, hoping to see him, he ended up pulling out. Um, but at the same time, I, I've seen footage of him and you know, there's definitely some shift to his game. He certainly seems like a possibly one of those microwave Shabazz Napier type scores off the bench. Uh, but again, it, it would probably take some time. But yeah, I, I've heard he's impressed in workouts, and uh, he obviously impressed Portland because they they brought him in for a second time. And uh, we, we had also heard that there was a possibility that he had a, a, a first round promise as well. While I doubt that it was from Portland, I think certainly Portland's interested. So uh, he could be a guy that they, they look for in that range. And then with Shabazz, obviously, in uh, it being a possibility he doesn't come back next year, right. uh, they could be looking for somebody to, to fill a spot. I, I hear that, you know, with, with Simons, I think that one of the issues is, uh, you know, whether how he makes uh, plays for others and just, you know, his uh, decision-making. So that, you know, could uh, be something that takes time and maybe you want, like, another option there. But, um, yeah, he seems to be a guy the Blazers are very interested in and uh, is a guy that um, I think has intrigued a lot of uh, people following the draft. Yeah, and I, I think I'd like to throw one last uh, thing on that Simon's pick is that uh, Portland has done a good job of, of developing – ball handling guards you know Shabazz yeah. Napier was kind of a journeyman before he got here he's played his way back into the league with a strong season this past year and 
the Blazers do have a pretty good thing going with Dame, CJ, David Vanterpool, uh, you know, that system. And I think when you work with those guys on a, on a day-in, day-out basis, kind of like Napier did, uh, or uh, t- Tim Frazier, who, who isn't in Portland anymore, he did that and, and got better and, and stuck in the league and got another contract. And um, I, I think that is something, if you're Portland, to, to think about if, if you really like the package there with Simmons. I don't know, though, if they're going to be able to get him – or if they're going to pick him at 24, if he falls out of the first round, um, you know, what they do there. But there are, I will say, there are a lot of teams like Philadelphia and Atlanta that have a bunch of picks and not enough roster spots for all those guys to go. So they're either going to have to Euro stash those guys, those picks, or they're going to have to trade them. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and, and, and trade them for, for cash assets, what have you. Um, uh, is there a last thing you wanted to say about this draft before we wrap it up? Um, I want to give a bit of inside information. My boss, uh, I work for a company called Red Duck Foods. We sell uh, ketchup, barbecue sauce, and taco sauce. It's delicious. Please buy it. Um, But uh, my boss actually was flying from New York to Portland, and Landry Chamet from Wichita State was uh, flying first class. Now, I don't know if they fly all these guys first class, but... Landry Shamet could be another guy that uh, the Blazers the Blazers brought him in for a workout, and uh, he's another guy I think they'll, they'll think about. A good size for a guard, uh, was a good shooter, and um, has some ability to handle and pass. So, yeah, that's just one last guy who uh, I think the Blazers might look at. Wow, Landry Shamet coming in for a secret workout uh, with the Blazers. <laughs> so uh, that's some interesting. I, I think stuff. it was publicized as a workout, but yeah. Uh, oh, okay, all right, never yeah. mind. Well, anyway, Landry Shamet, he's a guy we didn't talk about. Um, from Wichita State, uh, and they have produced some pretty solid, uh, some guys that have played in the NBA. So I mean, they, it's a good program. Uh, wouldn't be the worst thing. And I, you know, also it being a Neil Olshay pick, uh, picking uh, a mid-major guy would be extremely on brand for him. So um, that is going to do it for us, Mike. Tell the folks where they can find you and your stuff. And uh, I'm excited for draft night. Well, yeah, I um, just released my annual top five superlatives article for NBADraft.net, and uh, I'm sure I'll have some stuff coming out as well. Uh, follow me on Twitter, NBA Draft Mikey V. If you would like to email me some questions or just talk basketball, my email is MikeyV at NBADraft.net. And uh, Eric, thanks again for having me on. Great talking with you, buddy. Dude, it was awesome. Thanks for making the time, man. No problem. <laughs>